Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Mets fans, and welcome to the Happy Recap Radio Show for this Sunday, the 16th of July, 2017. We've passed the all-star break. We've passed the, the halfway point. But by golly, EJ, as we start the show today, we have not passed the curse of Sundays. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And it, it's just funny because uh, on a weekend where, let's face it, we're both kind of geeks and our inner geek could fly between the Disney World Convention D23, the announcement of new Doctor on Doctor Who, and of course the premiere of Game of Thrones tonight. If there's ever been a weekend that it's been easy for me to kind of tune out in the background, it's a weekend where the Mets play three games all three turn out to be blowouts. Two in favor of the Mets should be feeling good heading into Sunday. And, of course, Sunday comes around and the blowout gets reversed. It is just such an anomaly, this Sunday curse going on with this team right now. But I do confess that I have really been corner of the eye watching at most this entire weekend. Yeah, I mean, I managed to keep an eye on the the first two games a little bit, but I, I, I almost had to be dragged into them to an extent in the sense of uh, – I, I, you know, come in around the third or fourth inning just because of uh, I mean, being on the West Coast. That's just part of the nature of the beast of being out here anyway sometimes. But um, the, um, yeah, the way this, the weekend ran, it certainly was uh, full of distractions on the geeky front. Uh, I, I, much like you, um, you know, absolutely drooling at the side of Star Wars land. I'm just, I'm not going to deny it. I, 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 you know, there, there, there were definitely uh Moments of I never thought I could have a physical attraction to a attraction, but uh, Star Wars <laughs> Land certainly did that for me. Um, and then the announcement of the hotel in Orlando. I mean, you know, and that and amongst all the other different things about the films and stuff. Um, the only thing that, you know, of course, question and we need to get Jared Diamond on this. That's who we should have had for this segment. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure I'm buying Will Smith as the genie. That's that's the only <laughs> problem I have with this weekend. But uh I'm sorry, Robin Williams, definitive. But uh, nevertheless, uh, that announcement, uh, you know, waking up, <laughs> trying to track Wimbledon this morning uh, when I'm not really all that interested in tennis to begin with, and I'm certainly not interested at 7 o'clock in the morning local time. Um, but uh, the, uh, although it makes, it, it makes an older man like me feel good when I, when I hear, that, uh, hear Roger Federer's age and go, okay, that's good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as old as I think I am. But uh, the um, you know to, to be able to uh, find that announcement from the BBC on Doctor Who and then yeah you're right Game of Thrones here you know the question is the slaughter level on Game of Thrones will it top what we saw on the field today I'm not sure <laughs> I'm not sure George R R Martin could come up with an you know a violent enough 
uh, scenario to top really most of our Sunday games this year, quite frankly. Yeah, it's, it's been as brutal as the Red Wedding and more when it comes to both our injuries and uh, the outcomes of our Sunday games. You're absolutely right. Although I did see, uh, to, to catch up on today's game, I simply went on to our buddy Mark Herrick's uh, Twitter feed because he always would uh, send out a tweet whenever there was any type of score change. So that's how I was caught up. And at, uh, I noticed that 12-4, to 4, they had an inside-the-park home run hit against them, which I simply said, well, that's something new for a Sunday. Uh, speaking of Mark Carrick, he is reporting that Jason Bradford has been sent down and the return of Hansel Robles is upon us. Oh, God. Remember when we were talking about <laughs> reinforcements? <laughs> you know, this and I, you know, what I was thinking about mind. reinforcements. You know, I, I figured that we were getting, you know, everything points to the next day or two, uh, Josh Smoker coming back from his DL stint. He's certainly been doing fine in rehab, uh, hanging out with uh, Mr. Tebow down there in St. Lucie, and we'll talk a little bit about him later. But, uh, you know, we, we sent uh, Robles down with a 6.23 ERA, and he manages to improve it out to a 5.79 at, uh, at Las Vegas. Mind you, that is the PCL, so that, you, know, you could drop an, you know, a run and a half off of it. But, boy, you know, if you're going to get rid of two guys, you know, two guys on the team – I'm not sure Bradford's the guy you send down right now because, you know, you're you're really going to let Salas and Ramirez continue to have roster spots? Ramirez having a roster spot still is just as perplexing as that. I don't know if it's just simply because he was an in-season acquisition, so Sandy wants to be like, hey, look, something I did during the season is still here, but by no means should he be here. And, yeah, Salas is a complete disaster, too. I mean, he can come out and look great for two straight games, and then he's going to give you a week of just absolute clunkers. But, I mean, from what I was reading about today's game, no matter who came out of that pen, it was almost like they were instantly just giving up two right away. So, I mean, this is – obviously, we've talked about the off-season goals. I mean, this bullpen just needs to be completely revamped. You don't even know if you're going to have Addison Reed here. We both have speculated on this show we are not – so, I mean, you, you don't know what you're getting back with Familia. This bullpen, I mean, just needs to be kind of shaken by its ankles and uh, completely revamped. You know, the thing about it, too, is, again, it, you know, it really comes down to, and, you know, this is not just an opinion I've had. This is a lot of, you know, a lot of people have, have made these things. It, you know, it, it's that whole concept of not overpaying on relievers. Um, so, I mean, you know, when the Mets didn't go out and spend a whole lot of money on their bullpen this year, I was actually fairly okay with it because, you know, you have the situation where especially th- I'll tell you the one thing I hate more than anything are three, three or long, three year or longer contracts on relievers, not a fan of them because there's no middle relievers I can think of off the top of my head that are absolutely money for three straight years. Um, yeah. Very, very I few agree of that. them. You never want to give a reliever a three year contract. Two year deals are fine. Yeah, unless you're talking Mariano Rivera. If you've got a lights-out closer who's young, yeah, I can say it. But for middle relief guys, I agree. Although the one thing about them cheaping out on the bullpen this year that bothered me is the fact that, and, and moving forward next year, this is why I think they should be aggressive in bullpen spending, is at least for the next couple of years, you have a very manageable starting rotation if you could ever get them healthy from an economic standpoint. These are still young kids who haven't hit the big contract years. Yes, if you have any hope of keeping 
at least a portion of them together, it looks like you're going to be coming out of pocket for a significant sum of money, but that's not yet. That's down the road. When you look at what could possibly be happening with the offense next year, you can be potentially looking at a team that's got Dominic Smith, Ahmed Rosario, and uh, TJ all in it, all not making a lot of money. Really, you're just going to have Suspinus as your your true big-time money guy. You could have Conforto playing center. If you're not going to spend the money on the bullpen, where are you going to spend it, really? Because your pitchers are kind of, if barring health, your starters are going to be locked in for next year. Pretty much most of your fielders are going to be locked in for next year. So if you, you're going to have the money to spend, why not spend it on getting a complete seventh to ninth inning lockdown bullpen at this point? Like you said, not going too long on these deals because you're going to have to pay the starters eventually. But let's let's throw cash around, maybe a little extra cash that, than we needed to if you would have given a guy a long-term deal to get him in here for two years. I think the bullpen should definitely be heavily spent on in this offseason. And I definitely think Addison Reed should be a part of that. Well, I think the reality of it is, is I think he's going to get closer money to be a closer. And even if the Mets offer more money than, than other teams, I think he's going to take that opportunity to be a closer somewhere. I, I just don't see a scenario where Addison Reed comes back. And I don't think it's necessarily completely a financial thing. I mean, you know, again, Addison Reed came to us a former closer. I think he wants to go back to closing. Uh, and, you know, unless, unless you can deem that, you know what? Familia is expendable. You know, if you can, if in the in the you know the last two months of the season, as there seemed to be some belief that perhaps uh, Familia will come back before the end of the season, perhaps as early as mid-August, uh, if you could decide something, you know, and kind of go, you know what, I think we would rather go forward with Reed. You re-sign him and bring him back as your closer. I'm perfectly okay with that. I I'm more than happy with him as a capable closer. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you still have Familia. Uh, the one nice thing is I think you're going to save a lot. Obviously, you've got the contracts that are coming off the books. One of the things we don't think about is how much money are the Mets saving by the fact that Matt Harvey has been either injured or crap this season? Oh, off absolutely. Of I mean, they're saving millions of dollars in arbitration dollars this off season. Yeah, I'd like to see that reinvested. You've got Granderson coming off the books. You've got Walker coming off the books. You've got uh, – you've got um, – Jay Bruce likely coming off the books. Uh, you've got all these contracts. You also got the likelihood that, well, you're probably getting 75% of David Wright's money back again next year because the odds of him playing a full season or even any of the next season are reasonably small. Um, so, you, you know, you look at some of these areas, I still think there's a better chance than not that uh, Mike Musatskis, I always fall over that name, I'll have to get used to it eventually, I'm sure, is our opening day third baseman. I think that's going to be an area they spend. Um, I think it's very possible that TJ Rivera, as a result, is the opening day second baseman because they're not going to want to spend too much. Uh, but, you know, the question, you know, questions we've talked about in the offseason have to be, are you going to go out and get a legit center fielder, or are you going to go full on board and, and convert Michael Conforter to an everyday center fielder and in which case, what are you doing with right field? Are you going to try and retain Jay Bruce? Are you going to try and do something else with the position? Are you going to try and bring in a different free agent? Are you going to try and make a trade? You know, there, there, are, there are definite question marks. I think you can get away with a low-cost option behind the plate. I think you can get, you know, we talked about Carson Kelly, the, the uh, Cardinals prospect. Uh, saw him playing the other day in the AAA All-Star game. And, uh, you know, you've got different options within there uh, to bring in as a low-cost option. 
which means, yes, you have money to spend on pitching. Um, and the reality of it is, is I mean, as much as I, I agree with you that we need lockdown seventh, eighth, and ninth guys, uh, I would just like a good, solid bullpen. If that means you're, you know, paying, you know, giving a decent contract for, you know, ten million over two years to a middle relief guy that's going to come in in the fifth and sixth, you know, by all means do it because let's face it, especially with the health issues that some of these guys have had especially with the fact that, you know, even if Syndergaard comes back this year, he's going to be a five-inning pitcher. Um, you know, the, the reality of it is you need a solid bullpen with this rotation because some pitchers, more than any others, are not capable of going the distance that, say, a Jacob deGrom goes. That's the big question. And I do think that at the tail end of it, yeah, you need a you, you need a fifth starter that has is an innings eater, veteran guy, uh, much like Cologne was, but preferably ten or fifteen years younger. Um, I, I just feel like you need you need another starter, and so I mean, you know, these are some of the holes this team has, but none of them prevent them from spending on the bullpen. There's a hell of a lot of money coming off the books this year. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done the math yet, but if I have to guess, based on what I assume next year, see, I'm not discounting the possibility of Asdrubal Cabrera still being here in some capacity next year, and I think you could actually be looking at next year, you're looking at a first-base Dom Smith, a second-base, third-base combination between Cabrera, TJ Rivera, and Wilmer Flores. Obviously, you're going to have your shortstop of the future here by next year, hopefully, you got Cespedes in left, and then you'll have Conforto either in center or right. So really, to me, that leaves, I think, about, I want to say somewhere between 50, that's 50 to $60 million of payroll that you would have right there, including the starters. So that's leaving you a lot of money to address one outfield position, which, like you said, possibly Bruce, or possibly going to get a traditional center fielder, catcher, bullpen, fifth starter. That is a ton of money that's going to be available to fill really only – well, I will, I'll say it's only four roles, but obviously the bullpen is going to be more than just one guy. But that's still – even if you're only looking at a $100 million payroll, that's still leaving you $40 million to clean up the four whole, big holes that you have in your roster. Would you get to all four? I don't know. Can you get to all four via free agency? I don't think so. I think you have to have some type of combination of free agency and trades just because of the quality of the free agency class. Yeah, it's nice to have $40 million, but when the biggest guy that would fit a need for you out there is only going to be worth about five a year, you're going to have to get a lot more creative. But still, I mean, as bad as the season's been looking forward, if, and it's always the biggest if with this Mets team, if you could ever get these starters healthy, you could sink a ton of money into the few gaps that this team would have and really come back next year as a serious, serious contender, if not favorite, in the NL East. Well, and you also have to look at it from the standpoint that coming into next year, you're looking at the you know, potential last stand, at least in their current window, uh, you know, barring any major improvements for the Nationals. So you know, your window is, is, is beginning to open even further. Um, you know, as, of course, we mentioned, um, got slaughtered on the field today and uh, hopefully uh, walking around with not without too much uh, blood on his jersey is our good friend Michael Barron. Michael, how bad was it out there today? De minimis. That's, I'm just going to say it until someone 
corrects me on how to properly use it. De minimis. It was less than de minimis. How's that? <laughs> Somebody scored high on the SATs. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it way too, way higher than I did. I'll tell you. I mean, but I'm going to use it the way I think it should be used because I think it sounds good. So. <laughs> well, it's always well, good to have you on. We, and go, go ahead, EJ. I, we'll just get into what we were just talking about a little bit, Michael. I mean, I don't know how many Sunday games you've been to, but is that vibe around this team? Like, what the heck do we have to do to not get annihilated on a Sunday at home? Well, sure. I don't. I mean, I don't think they walk around with that attitude. I sure hope they're they don't have that attitude because that's a you know to be blunt, a loser mentality. So you know, that's just that's not how they are. I don't think that they're even aware that they suck you know something awful on Sundays. But I mean, really, I mean, yeah, look, if they if they had better, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you know if someone in the media mentions it, they'll say I didn't even know, you know, but. Um, Look, it just comes down to it doesn't matter what day it is. It's any day ends in Y, the pitching is terrible. And today was just another example of it. And this time it was with Steven Matz, who, I mean, he was just awful. I mean, I could, from where I was sitting, I couldn't see what exactly the problem was. I'm just going to assume it was location because the velocity looked good. But, look, it's just another exam- another day where the vaunted starting pitching staff, um, you know, coughed one up and – you know, they had to piece it together with uh, a lackluster bullpen and, you know, hence the 13 to four loss. I mean, it was just a very, in particular, today in particular, it was just so unenjoyable. <laughs> it was just such a terrible, terrible game all around. And all their problems were on the forefront. You know, the bad starting pitch and the bad bullpen. There was some shoddy defense. I mean, the inside the home park home run was just the icing on the cake to me where everybody was just standing around watching. Um it's 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 it was uh, it was uh, today was all where it was all their problems rolled into one game and um, that's why you know I keep saying like you know even if they even if they put on a good showing and they have been good over the last couple of weeks two three weeks but even if they you know they come down the stretch of the trade deadline and they you know they can win you know ten out of twelve I just don't think that's enough because the, eventually that they will regress off of such a good stretch and you'll see more of what you saw again today which was just not acceptable well i mean i think that's for, for, been for me with the you know with this team when i kind of uh i, I tend to be as you know michael one of the more patient fans out there and I, i'm definitely yeah. not the jump to conclusions guy but about a month ago when we hit that stretch where we we're going to la and obviously facing uh dc in there and the cubs i pretty much deemed it the last stand of 2017 and if they mm-hmm. played poorly they were gone. It was done. It was over. Yeah. Uh, if they played well, they had a pulse. Much more than that, but they would have had a pulse. They certainly didn't play well. So. They certainly didn't play well, and I've considered them basically a dead-in-the-water team at, you know, from that point forward. Um, the, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of hard at this point not to look to, to 2018, but I think the question that most Met fans are asking, and I know a lot of Met fans are asking you this question, What's the deal with Ahmed Rosario? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, they, None of us they do. keep trying to sell, Yeah, I mean, they keep trying to sell sell us all on um, that. You know, he, need, he lacks plate discipline. They want him to have a more mature approach at the plate and blah blah blah. He's hitting three twenty five at AAA, and um, yeah, I'd call him up at this point. But you know, with that said, you know, then they're also selling everyone on Jose Reyes' recent upswing, but. 
look, you know, if you're declaring yourself sellers, which Samuel Olson has done in public, he's now done it twice in public. He did it once in California and did just did it again on Friday. Um, you know, he did an exceedingly well quote, which I'm also going to use. Um, you know, if they, if they, unless they play exceedingly well, like they're, they're going to remain sellers. So if you're sellers, that means you're punting 2017. If you're punting 2017, uh, there's no reason to keep riding the Jose Reyes wave. You know, wh- whatever you think of him. Like, if the if the aim is towards the future, it's time to start thinking about Ahmed Rosario. There's less of the, you, the argument holds less water to keep him down once you once you declare 2017 a lost cause, which is pretty much what they've done. I mean, they're not. I don't think they're expecting to win 14 of the next 15 games to turn the season around. It's hard. They, they haven't played that well in a year. So there's no reason to, to think that that's going to happen now. So it's, it's, it will become time and very difficult to defend having a med Rosario in the minors, you know, for too much longer. My confusion about it is, I mean, Sandy said the other day that we're not calling up any of the kids from the minors until their major league piece has basically been sold off already. And when I look at this roster right now, and I see guys who could potentially be moved. I see Duda, I see Bruce, I see Granderson, uh, I see Addison Reed, and I see Neil Walker, and maybe Cabrera. I don't see any team that Sandy Alderson would place a call to right now and be like, hey, you want Jose Reyes? That would be like, eh, yeah, no, we're good. We're good, Sandy. Thanks, though. So if well, you, right. Right, you, can only, you can only get Rosario here if Reyes is gone, then I don't see a scenario where – where Rosario gets here. Did we lose Michael? Or did we lose I me? We may have. Nope, yes, we, we did. Michael. We lost Michael. Right. Okay. Well, well, we'll we'll keep it going until we get him back here. Unless you, unless you so insulted him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a salient point by me too. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Salient, de minimis. Oh man, this is this is a uh, this is Big Word Sunday here on the Happy Recap. This is what happens when we all spend the morning watching the BBC. That's exactly what happens. And there, there we go with Michael rejoining us. Uh, clearly, you didn't insult him, so we're, we're all good there. But yeah, to my point, Michael. Uh, like oh, I said, we lost so him again. I don't see a scenario where, where Reyes is ever gone. So if Reyes EJ, is ever we, gone, we lost how him does Rosario ever get here? Did we really? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah Michael's having right. a little bit of this. I think we're having a little cell phone issues with Michael. Michael, are you there now? I'm back. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> no worries. Um, well, so, to, anyway, to, my, to my earlier earlier point, if Sandy says you can't bring up the reinforcements these young kids until their major league counterpart is sold off, and Reyes never gets sold off, the only scenario I see for ever getting Rosario here is if Reyes is permanently your third baseman. Well. Well, yes, but I think there's a, I think there's a scenario that would get Rosario here and have, like you said, Reyes at another position or just on the bench. Um, and look, you know, whatever. I think Reyes has been great for the last three weeks, but it, again, it gets back to what I said: if they're punting, the aim has to be towards the future. Jose Reyes is not a part of that future, and. You know, Rosario should then get an extended look, much like and and I don't think Jose Reyes should be at another position because that other position would be third base. And quite frankly, they need to they need to reserve third base right now for T.J. Rivera to see if he can actually build up the arm strength, the arm accuracy, 
and become a steady force there. Because if he can prove that he's a third base, that he can play third base over an extended period of time, that solves a lot of problems for them going into next year because that means they can exercise the option on his Drupal Cabrera and the infield is at least set at the top of the depth chart. And then they can focus their money on what they really need, which is a bullpen, probably a center fielder, more depth, and potentially one or two starting pitchers. You know, that $60 million coming off the books can go pretty quick, especially if you have to buy starting pitching. So, um, you know, if T- I think TJ playing third is a big deal and, you know, hoping that he can actually work out there. Well, one of the things, too, that, uh, you know, I think uh, we've got a couple guys out there that, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily on the beat so much as uh, like to write about this team, that maybe they like to stir the pot a little bit suggesting with the Ahmed Rosario that perhaps the clubhouse chemistry, if you will, is the reason for his lack of call-up. I mean, do you, do you get any sense whatsoever from the people that you talk to that there is a clubhouse chemistry issue with this team? Well, I, I think um, you can certainly look look back towards his Drupal Cabrera um, asking for a trade when they shifted in the second base and realize that there could you know, be a little bit of a rift in there. I mean, I know that a lot of players weren't happy with that um, re- that public request to be moved. Um, it certainly didn't show that Izzubel's head was in the right place. Um, but, you know, in all honesty, when things are going well, clubhouse chemistry isn't a problem. When things are going poorly, clubhouse chemistry is usually a problem. So um, I, I'm not I'm not surprised by – I wasn't – I certainly wasn't surprised by Izzubel's um, public – um, stance that he took because, you know, A, the direction of the team, B, you know, what usually happens when teams stink. And, um, you know, that's usually what happens. You know, noises like that usually come out of clubhouses. But, look, the Mets have had plenty of terrible teams over the last 10 years and have had good clubhouses. Um, so I think the clubhouse chemistry thing is always overrated. It comes down to what's going on in the field. And, you know, we all work with people that we're not friends with and that we don't like, and there we do we work with some people that we do like, and there are cliques in very productive companies. And you know, I think there have been cliques with the Mets, you know, in some of their good years in 2000, you know, the end of 2014, certainly, but 2015, 2016. You know, the one that I think of, you know, right off the bat was the clique that Bartolo Colon created with his uh, with with the pitching staff. Um, you know, and those those were some good, very good Met teams. So I don't. I think a lot. You know that I think the clubhouse chemistry stuff gets a little overrated. What's interesting about the Cabrera thing is I do feel like that's blown over, and I feel like he's done a good job putting that fire out himself, saying he's okay at second base now. But what's interesting is the guy goes from saying "please trade me" to both you and I tonight uh, uh, having the possibility in our heads that hey, they might actually exercise the option on him for next year, and I agree it would be a decent move. I feel like you would, you would have the infield set, and if Rivera's playing third, and you got the two kids at first and short, not only is the infield set, but the infield's pretty cheap. Yeah, and I think a lot rests on um, T.J. Rivera, and I think he's going to be playing third base for the duration here because, like we just said, it checks a lot of the boxes if he can prove that he can do it. Now, if he can't do it, then they, you know, they have to figure out what to do with T.J. Rivera because his bat plays every day at this level. I think he's shown that. I think he's earned um, an opportunity to play every day for the club, and they're going to have to find a place for him. And if that place is in third base, maybe that means they will cut Azul after the year or try and trade him this summer. That you know, the summer by August 31st potentially. So, 
Um, we just have to see. I mean, it's going to be spring training for two months around here. I think we all agree on that at this point. So, of course, the big question is, and, and um, you know, we have the trading deadline approaching here about uh, a little more than two weeks from now and uh, a lot of baseball to play in between. Uh, in your opinion, uh, you know, who stays, who goes, and more importantly, uh, favorite Baron trade so far? <laughs> You know, I haven't. I've gotten. I've gotten a lot of barren trades for the Yankees, believe it or not, and a lot of them surround the Casuda, which really isn't a surprise because it's a really good fit for the Yankees. Um, the one trade I've heard, or the which isn't totally unrealistic, with the except for the fact that I don't think the two teams will make a trade, is uh, what was it, Duda and Reed and for Andahar. And I said, you know what? That's not the worst trade in the world. I'd probably want another prospect or like. Or, or request a higher rank prospect than Andujar, but that that's actually a very good, a good realistic trade for the Mets to try and shoot for. You know, again, like you know, go, maybe get two prospects back for those two players. But um, you know, I think that's a good foundation, and I really haven't heard a lot of. I really haven't gotten a lot yet. I mean, there's still what are we two weeks before the trade deadline, so there's plenty of time for some ridiculousness out there, but. I've gotten a lot of ridiculous stuff lately. I've heard a lot of stuff that actually makes some sense believe for the first time in nine years here. You know? well, JB and I have talked on the show a lot about, we think that a lot of times Mets fans like to over-evaluate how much of a haul you could get back for certain players. Mm-hmm. And we both agree that Reed's going to get moved, and you'll probably get something kind of decent for Reed, even though he's a mental. But when you look at the position players between Duda, Bruce, Granderson, and Walker – of those four guys, which one do you think might command something decent back for the Mets? I think Bruce, only because he's been consistent from day one, and he's just put up a. You know, he's, I, he's, I think he's on a slightly better pace than he was at this time last year. So, I think they can certainly get something back that's better than what they gave up, um, which is the right call because I think, you know, if they can if they can move anyone in the next two weeks, whether it's one guy or five guys, I think it's always better to get back um, established prospects or what, however you want to describe that than getting sandwich picks back for giving qualifying offers. And that's, you know, another part of the equation. I think there are guys that they really need to push to move because there are guys like Granderson, like Lucas Duda, like Addison Reed in particular, who they're not going to make qualifying offers to. So, if you're not going to make qualifying offers to guys, you're not going to get anything back for them. So um, I think it's incumbent upon them to move, to really move those guys and get something for them. Um, but um, I think Bruce and Reed are the two guys. They're the two obvious guys I would expect they'll be able to move in the next 10 days. I don't think they're going to move all of them. I don't think they can move all of them. I don't think they want to move all of them. But um, they, they seem to be the two guys they can market the most. I mean, people are always going to overpay for relievers this time of year, especially the, even the rentals. You know, I, I don't think Reed is in the class of a Chapman, so I don't think they'll be able to get back the haul that the Yankees got for him last summer. But they should still be able to get back, be able to get back someone's, you know, you know, two through five prospect, in my opinion. Um, probably more towards the back end of that. But that's still not bad for a guy you're not going to give make a qualifying offer to. So... Um, I would I would aim for it. I would divest the entire bullpen if I were them and just make that a big project this winter, which they historically haven't been good at um, good at. But you know, I would certainly when you rebuild, when you're retooling, 
or when you're punting, I should say, there should be no money being spent in the bullpen. I think that's just a common law. Well, you certainly don't need a you certainly don't need a closer if you're not going to be winning games. And yeah, you know, the, the reality right. of it is that when you're punting, you're not expecting to win many many games at that point. I mean, there's certainly to me there's there's no reason to keep a lot of those guys out there uh, for any any length of time. And but you know, and certainly you know you, you look at uh, you know the Mets and the minor leagues specifically. There, I mean, even the bullpen sense. I mean, you got. Josh Smoker probably coming back this week, who, you know, I think has shown he can be brilliant at times and other times definitely overused. Uh, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have, uh, you, you know, you have guys out there. I mean, like today we're calling up Hansel Robles again. Um, so, I mean, you know, th- sometimes you just play the, you know, same card over and over again and hope, uh, hope the house has a different number. But, uh, you know, I, it seems like the, the massive overhaul needs to be with the bullpen. Although the reality of it is you, know, you and I and everybody else know bullpens are no guaranteed thing. Even if you sign all the best names out there and trade for all the best names, you could wind up with the same exact results next year, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, bullpens are always major crapshoots and they can, you could, you could, I'm not an advocate of this, but just for the sake of the discussion, you could bring back the entire bullpen as it stands next year intact and they could be, perfectly fine. So um, I think though, you know, I mean, yes, the bullpen is a big project, but the elephant in the room really to me is the starting rotation. Um, you know, there, there are huge, huge question marks starting with Harvey and ending with, you know, God knows, you know, God knows what in that, in that rotation right now, they don't have very much aside from Jacob Islam as far as her things. And um, I, I think for, for argument's sake, let's say um, Noah Syndergaard is fine. You know, they still have to figure out the rest of that rotation. Right now, they don't have a lot of answers, and that's a scary prospect going into next year because, you know, it's not like they're going to be able to invest $100 million in that rotation. You know, do they take you do they take the leap of the leap and, you know, non-tender Harvey? Would that be something that they consider? Um, you know, there are a lot of questions that they have to answer, and it's a big area of concern going forward because it's not what – they expected it to be and not by a long shot. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think one of the big questions of this offseason is going to be, you know, with this rotation, you know, I, I, I was saying earlier to EJ that technically speaking, the way Harvey has gone this year between performance and injury, you're probably saving it. If you keep him around, you're, you're saving quite a bit on arbitration because he's not going to be worth quite as much as he might have been. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of questions you have to ask at this point, including the, you know, as much as his market is diminished trade value wise, um, you know, do you do you, rather than non-tender him, do you go for that change of scenery trade and see if you can get back somebody back who can contribute next year? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be a topic. If it has, if it's not already a topic, I'm not saying they're going to trade him in the next week, but you know, they're already start. They're clearly thinking about what's next, and specifically with this rotation, which is just a giant mess that they have to fix. And it's the, always the hardest part of any team to fix because you're always going to overpay for pitching in free agency. Um, and it's why they did what they did and they cultivated their own, you know, their own staff of quote unquote aces, which, you know, they just kind of, they appear to have flamed out in, to a large degree. And that's a scary prospect going into next year. Well, last question for me, and then uh, we'll let you go on with your Sunday and always appreciate your time. Of course. Uh, go for a more lighthearted, a, more of a lighthearted question to wrap things up. 
It concerns a certain uh, former football player in A-ball. Uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, I have to, I, you know, I, the, 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 the part for me is that I am just kind of humored by the whole thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I have nothing against Tim Tebow, the guy. I, I think he's, he's got a good work ethic. I think he's a good example for our players. I think he's, he's a good role model. Uh, but, uh, you know, overall, I'm not sure he's a major league outfielder, but, no. <laughs> you know, what is the end game here in your mind? I mean, uh, Sandy said the other day that he's not a consideration for a September call-up, but, uh, you know, what do you think the end game is? This? Do they actually pull another season out of it? Well, I, uh, it's always about performance at any level, and it's not, it's not as if it would cost them you know, very much to bring him back, you know, as a organizational player next year. You know, look, I mean, there are, I, part, I I may be in the minority here, but I'm always rooting for the underdog, and I'm rooting for him to be a success story because, you know, I, in a way, like, you know, I, I think a lot of the anger directed towards him is jealousy. Like, you know, his name kind of got him this opportunity. But, you know what, good for him. And, you know, it's good for him to live out another – to try and live out another dream and, you know, and, and make it. You know, I, I actually hope that he can prove all the naysayers wrong. Um, with that said, of course, you know, I don't think it's realistic to expect that he'll ever make it. I don't think there's any indication that he can be successful for too much longer in the higher ranks of the minor leagues. Um, but, you know, like you said, like, I don't have anything against him. I don't really know what the end game is other than the entertainment. I mean, he's been, the whole thing's been entertaining and fascinating to, to see and listen to. Um, but, I mean, time will tell. I mean, it's... It, You'll know in a couple of years, I think, what what the actual end game is. He's either going to be here or on another team, or he's going to be on ESPN full time. And um, you know, I I personally wish him nothing but the best. I you know, in a way, I'm jealous. You know, I'm, I'm jealous that he's able to have the that he can have the opportunity, and I can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, he to me the one thing that uh, I think that's quintessential Tebow in this, in the, particularly in this situation, is. The attitude and the the passion that he is approaching this with, and like I said, you know, basically being a mentor you know, to to the players around him uh, on how to conduct themselves and how to you know how to work you know hard at, you know day in and day out, it really does make him an easy guy to root for. I, I've kind of said, if you're rooting against him, I kind of I kind of just don't like you. Now, if you have the realistic expectation that he's not going to make it, that's one thing. But to actually actively root against the guy, that that tends to bug me just a little bit because I don't care who you are. If you if you're in blue and orange, I'm I'm rooting for the suit. You know that's right. that's you know that's that's kind of my thing. I I believe in not rooting against our own players and not wishing them to fail. Um, so I mean I'm with you 100%. I think you know unlikely he ever makes the big leagues but hey if he does i'll be the first one to root for him absolutely 100 yeah, percent. i'll go he, i'll buy a tebow jersey i would be happy to do it if he made it i think it would be an awesome an awesome story an awesome american story if he could if he could be successful and you know put just even see one pitch at city field i think that would be a great story absolutely well michael it is always a pleasure to talk to you man i appreciate the time um, appreciate the friendship and appreciate uh, all that you bring and uh, always good to talk to you sir the same and I uh, hope we can talk soon
and hopefully Sounds about good. a uh, happier, hopefully about a happier subject with the Mets. Oh, okay. With the Mets, when you you add the proviso with the Mets, it just probably extended how long until we have you back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happier subjects we can come up with. We were talking about Disneyland before you came on. That's happy, but uh, uh, you know, yeah. the happiest place on earth. So I mean, you know. Yeah, well, I appreciate. Yeah. We'll we'll talk soon, and uh, you know, obviously, we hope for good things from the Mets. Yep, definitely. Well, appreciate each and every one of you tuning in the Happy Recap Radio Show uh, for my co-host EJ. We'll be back again next week with uh, more Mets talk, and uh, certainly uh, look forward to the trade deadline and the, the news that it will bring as we head into the uh, the the doldrums of August that are likely to come forward, and uh, you know the the um, the dreaded days of September, which don't promise as much excitement as perhaps the last two Septembers have brought. But, uh, you know, we can always see miracles do happen. They've been known to occur to this very team. So, we'll, you know, we'll certainly keep an optimistic eye out, but uh, realistic as well. I want to thank again Michael Barron for joining us. Of course, you can find him on Twitter at Michael G. Barron. Uh, you can find EJ at twi- on Twitter at The Happy Recap. You can find me at The Real Hoove. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook. Just look for The Happy Recap, uh, where we have uh, discussions going on 24-7 about the New York Mets. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in on this Sunday afternoon and those listening later on in the podcast. Until next time, let's go Mets. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.